0: Well, he said be seated, but go ahead, and would you just turn around right in your seats, find somebody you don't know, and just say, hey, good morning. Did you do that? Or if you need to get up, cool, that's cool. My name is Stephen, and uh, I get a privilege of leading here, and uh, it's a joy to do that. I want to say welcome to all of our CCU students. So glad you guys are here, this whole row. Uh, You guys know the deal, because uh, Andrew Smith, our uh, now student pastor, came through this program, the Teaching Church program, and and, uh, so we look forward to meeting with you guys after worship today. And uh, if you guys want to just... Hang out, talk to them a little bit after church, encourage them. They're a group of freshman or sophomore students uh, who are going through CCU. And uh, part of their program is to be in churches like this and other churches around Cincinnati for the next four years. And so we're all trying to figure out if this will be a fit for us or for them. And so we're just glad you guys are here. Hey, would, uh, would you pray with me today? God, we just give you thanks that you are the one who gives us hope, redemption. You're the one who gives us uh, just a great sacrifice. And Lord, in in return, we want to be people who bless you. And we want to be people who are part of the solution. We want to be people who are committed to you. And so today, God, just allow us to open your word and learn and teach us and help us then to, to follow and be obedient in that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we started a, a series. November. A lot of times we take a break from whatever regular teaching series we're doing. A lot of times we do books of the Bible and we talk about stewardship. And it's so important every year about this time to say let's let's recalibrate a little bit. Let's figure out you know our level of commitment and and things like this, and not only our treasure but our time and our talents. And so last week we talked about how are we going to continue to give to the Lord in the Old Testament. Uh, was a percentage. It was uh, 10% of their income went back to the Lord. And many of you have reached that point and beyond, and some of you have made that your goal. But in the New Testament, it was, they were not as concerned about percentage. They were concerned about sacrifice, generosity. And Mark 12 records a really interesting story that I'm just going to read to you because the disciples and Jesus are sitting and watching what was happening as some individuals were giving there at the temple. In Mark chapter 12, it said, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Jesus and the disciples are, they are people watching. Anybody like to people watch? Go to the mall. These guys are people watching. They're seeing what's happening here. And they're watching the people put their offering in. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on, she gave. So God measures our heart, our our amount, not based on the dollars, but based on sacrifice. Uh, Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. So today, we're going to talk about more sacrifice, because in our culture, it, it seems like So many other things dominate our time and our attention. But what does it mean to sacrifice? What does it mean to give up something that you love for something you love more? And Acts chapter 4 gives us some insights into that. These are the individuals who were first in the very first church. And we're going to start with verse 32. Acts chapter 4 said, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that they were, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was also distributed to anyone who had need. I mean, look at the level of sacrifice of the first believers of Jesus. They were so motivated by the powerful resurrection of Christ that it permeated every part of their behavior in their life. If someone was in need, they even took their possessions, whether there be houses or property or what have you, sold. And rather than giving it to a social agency, it was the church of Jesus Christ that was the one who loved and cared for those who were in need. So we're going to look at this story today and we're going to look at what sacrifice actually means. First of all, sacrifice moves first in the heart. He said, it was started in one in heart and mind. Friends, living a life of sacrifice really starts right as an inside job. Because there were, there were one in heart, there were one in mind. And the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. So if you allow me to unpack that phrase for a minute, the Greek word there is actually Hilarion which I think is where we get the word hilarious and I don't want to take that too far but sometimes when we give to the Lord we just think it's hilarious like where is this going to come from I have no idea but Paul is saying we love cheerful givers generous givers who are cheerful in heart and how do you get that kind of right heart when it comes to sacrifice it starts with the right perspective which is what we talked about last week God owns it all so when God owns it all, it's easier to be free to say, God, you own it all. I just want to be a good steward of what you have given me. And we use that phrase, the more we invest, the more we're blessed. My wife looked at me this week, and we were driving in the car. And uh, we had had a couple of transactions, a couple of things that went fairly well this week. And she said, um, she said, we give on that, don't we? I said, yeah, of course we do. She said, because the more we invest, the more we are blessed. She's preaching. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. The more invest. It was, a good, it was a good phrase, and it's true. It's true. More investing, more blessing. The level of your joy is in direct proportion to how cheerfully you give, and I believe how sacrificially you give. Warren Weirnsby once said, an open heart cannot be uh, maintain a closed hand. And so when you have an open heart, it's a willing heart. It's willing to give things away. On the way to church this morning, I was listening to 93.3. Uh, it's Christmas music time. Amen. Anybody into that? Some of you guys are like, no, not until Thanksgiving. No, not even until Christmas. We hate Christmas music. But uh, anyway, so it was, I was listening, and uh, Matthew West came on, and he told this little story about a 13-year-old girl named Alyssa who came to one of his concerts. And Alyssa had terminal cancer, and he heard the story. She said, what do you want to do? So said, I want to go to a Matthew West concert. And so and said, what's your favorite song? The song Do Something. And so Matthew West gave us this story that Make-A-Wish Foundation had told Alyssa, we would love to be able to give you your greatest wish. And Alyssa, rather than thinking about herself, maybe going to Disney World or whatever she was going to do, she had heard of a a village in Zimbabwe that did not have clean water. And she told the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I want to be able to give to children around the world in this village who do not have clean water. That's my wish. And Make-A-Wish Foundation said, that's what we're going to do. And I love the fact that this little 13-year-old girl had this generous heart that said, whatever it takes, I want to be sacrificial for those who are in need. That is moving in the heart. Sacrifice, secondly, is modeled by Jesus. Verse 33 says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify about what? By the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They testified about the great sacrifice that Jesus made for everybody on the cross, and and then the truth of the resurrection. And that was on the forefront of their minds, was the generosity of God for them. See, when we sacrifice, we do it because sacrifice is part of God's DNA. He made you. He created you. He gives to you, and He sacrifices for you. John three sixteen. for God to so love the world that He gave. So just think for a second about Jesus' great sacrifice for you. He didn't give 10% of ha- or half of Himself. He gave everything that He had. He left the riches of heaven for the poverty of this earth, he left the security of the Father for the torture of men. He left eternal life in heaven for death on the cross. He said, no man takes my life from me. I give it up, I give it up of myself, of my own accord. And when you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, that he paid for all of your sins, that you are guilt-free, that you have the promise of eternal life, and you're now able to start growing in the Christian life, and the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you, And you start opening up your mind, your heart, And and you start to surrender in generosity to the Lord. Because we give not to pay for bills. We give because Jesus Christ has given of the best of himself to us. 1 Chronicles 16, 29 said, Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We think about worship as singing. We might think about worship as communion time or as preaching. But in this passage, we're reminded that worship was also about giving. It was an act of submission to the authority of God in their lives. It was a way to say, God, we trust you. God, we know you own all things. And we want to participate in worship with you. That's why giving is a regular part of what we do here. Because we're giving back of ourselves, we're giving back of our resources, and we're giving back in service to the Lord. One man who visited uh, Zari uh, said that when he comes to offering time in the churches. There, Everybody leaves the building, and when they come back in, they start coming in single file with a tambourine and dancing, and they march down the aisle, and they put their offering in the plate up front. Though they don't have much to give, they give with this incredible spirit of joy. They give to express love, and I love the attitude of those who give with an open heart of just worship. And so we worship God when we give, and, and the Bible says, I, I think next, that we sacrifice as motivated by grace. In verse 33, it says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that they all, there were no needy persons among them. This is one of the primary motivators for me to be able to give back to the Lord, and that is that God's grace has given so much to me. His forgiveness has been so great that I can't help but to respond. One of the most beautiful stories of this is in Mark chapter 12. It's it's in Mark, it's in Matthew, it's in Luke, it's actually in all the Gospels. Um, And in John 12 we hear about it, Mary's sacrifice. It took place at a very dramatic time in Jesus' ministry. It was just 48 hours before he was going to be crucified. And Mark relates that it was just two days before then and and they were all in the room and the tension was mounting and the people were ascended. Those that were there added to the drama of this moment. Matthew said it took place in the home of Simon the leper. Who is Simon? We think that it's that former leper who had been healed by Jesus, and in gratitude, he throws a party for Jesus in his house. And he was elated, and he wanted all of his friends there, because now he was clean. And not only that, but John says Lazarus was there, and just not very long before that, Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And so he's at the party. So just imagine, one guy's been Brought back from leprosy, another guy's been brought back from the dead. Talk about some interesting dinner conversation. And then suddenly you see Mary and Martha there too, and and Martha's there. She's serving, of course, you know Martha. But there's Mary, this other sister of Lazarus, and she was so thankful of the Lord and what He had done. She's listening to Jesus that day, and she is just overcome with gratitude for her brother that had been brought back from the dead. So grateful for her own life transformation. And so Jesus is there at the dinner banquet, and after approaching Jesus, she pours out a pint of, of pure nard, which was expensive perfume, worth about a year's wages. And she pours it over Jesus' feet, and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair in a beautiful act of adoration and worship. And while other people looked and said, I can't believe that great waste, that money could have been used for something else, the the beauty of this moment was not lost on Jesus. She gave everything that she had. Just imagine a year's worth of wages poured out onto the feet of Jesus. Judas suggested, of course we know Judas Iscariot dishonest, he suggested that she should have used it for something else. But Jesus said... you not see this moment? Lazarus died and was brought back. Simon the leper was healed. Mary was brought from her own transformation, from death to life. And here we see this beautiful moment of sacrifice. Because listen, gang, when we receive grace, we give grace. When we receive grace, when we receive the forgiveness of God, we want to extend that forgiveness to other people. And we want to say thank you to God in every way that we possibly can. Pastor Jamie Smith here in Cincinnati, actually in northern Kentucky, used to serve a church in Florida, and he made a decision to do something rather unique. He felt the Lord led him to go by and talk to an abortion doctor who happened to be a Muslim in the area, and, uh, and so he did that. And Jamie sensed an urging to simply be uh, someone who's loving to someone else that he might have disagreed with. And so he went in with another person from his church, and he brought some gifts and a, and a, and a card to this doctor and they thought they would just be dropping them off with a receptionist. But when she went back and told the doctor, um, he was intrigued uh, by the gift, and he told the receptionist that he would come out and take a minute or two and talk to them. They went back into his office, and the doctor said, what is it that you want? And Jamie said, we do, we're just from a local church, and we don't want anything. We just want to introduce ourselves and bring a gift by so we could apologize for the way that sometimes Christians have treated you. We disagree on this issue, but... Um, but we want to make sure that we don't treat you badly. And then he said, you don't understand. The doctor said, you understand that I perform abortions, don't you? And Jamie said, yeah, I do. And we couldn't disagree with you more on that, but we're, we're just sorry for the way that some people have treated you. And the doctor began to open up story after story about how believers in Jesus had personally attacked or vandalized or made threats against them. And after an hour and repeated requests from the receptionist to go back and go wait on patients, the doctor said, I've got to get back to my practice. But then he thanked them. And Jamie then said, could we pray for you? And so they did. And then as Jamie was leaving the office, he said to the doctor, when it comes to Christians, you probably know what we're against. We just wanted you to know what we're for. And the abortion doctor said, you're right. Just what are you for? And Jamie answered, we're for love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Because when we receive grace, we extend grace. And I would just love the heart of our church to be a church that doesn't look for ways to battle or to run in conflict with everyone. But instead, we would be a grace-centered, grace-filled kind of place. No matter who comes through our doors, no matter how we interact with people, it should always be seasoned with the love of God because God has given so much to us. If not, for, if not for Christ, all of us would be condemned. And uh, the Bible says in Romans 8, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the essence of who we are as believers. Sacrifice is motivated by grace. Sacrifice also meets real needs. Acts chapter 4 verse thirty five says 34 and 35 says, From the time to time, those who had owned land or houses sold them brought money from the sales, put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Friends, we are surrounded by people who tell you if you give your money away, you're a sucker. You've earned it. Keep it for yourselves. But we as believers in Jesus know that what we have came from God anyway, and we give so that we can meet needs. The Bible says just the opposite, that we have been given so that we could honor other people and honor Christ. First John, it reads, let us not love with words or tongue, but in action and in truth. And perhaps nowhere, this is more seen more clearly than Matthew 25, which we talked about last week, where Jesus said that the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed, and my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was in prison, you visited me. I was sick, and you tended to me. And Jesus said, for whatever you did the least of these brothers of mine, you did unto me. And so when we give, We give to help meet needs, and I don't know about you guys, but Lisa and I just made a commitment years ago, even before we were married, that when we gave, the primary way we were going to give was through the local church. Now, we give to other organizations from time to time. There are other people that ask for things. There are other events that we go to that we'll give to from time to time, but that is not our primary way that we give, and the reason that we give through the local church is, number one, we, we believe passionately about the mission of the local church. We believe that the, that the church is the hope of the world. And so when we give to the church, we know we're meeting real needs of real people. And secondly, we give to the church because we want Jesus Christ to get the credit. When I give here, nobody says, look at what Stephen gave. Look at how he built this thing. Look at how he did this. They say, look at what great God that they have. And so we give, and when we give, we give through the church so that needs are met. And friends, we are meeting needs here. Whether it be supporting people in El Salvador or building new bathrooms for them or building local churches here in northern Kentucky like Movement Church or um, like Discover Point Church in Dayton, both of which we've been supportive of, um, or whether or not we uh, give away free items to people at Christmas time or have a Christmas invasion or go celebrate with the teachers at Lebanon High School and tell them how much they mean to us. Or our benevolence needs where people ask and say, we need just a bill paid. Can you help us with this? We look for opportunities all the time to meet needs for people. But I think the heart of who we are is not just to meet physical needs. It is to meet the most important needs ever. And that is the spiritual condition of the heart. And so when we give, we give so that we can evangelize and talk about to to kids about Jesus right now in another part of our building where we can celebrate and help your kids understand what does it mean to be little disciples of Jesus Christ for the rest of their lives. It's to have a student ministry that's robust and growing so that our students will understand when they're walking around their halls of their high school, they're not seeking to be popular, they're seeking to be influencers. We're having worship experiences here and a a staff that can lead that so that we all come together once a week, kind of high-five each other and say, it's been a rough week, man, but we really appreciate what God's been doing in my life. And we want to give glory to who glory is due. And so we give so that we can have ministries like that, so that people can be reached, so that every time somebody comes to Christ, we can all celebrate together and say, I was one little small part of that person finding eternity. Next week, we're going to talk about the impact of our giving more specifically, but we're reminded that stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. And only note, God knows what else we'll be able to do as a church as we continue to support and love the ministry and what God's doing here. I think lastly, sacrifice multiplies encouragement. I love this verse in 36 and 37 where it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, uh, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And so Barnabas, the son of encouragement, uh, he saw other people giving. He's motivated to do this as well. And one of the things that I've learned is that I watch as one person gives, another person gives. One person says yes, another person does. One person is motivated, another person, and the encouragement goes on and on. And I love the fact this dude's in- name is encouragement. It's his nickname. First Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Everybody needs encouragement and one of the reasons that the church is here. It's so that we would not only be a grace place, but we would be an encouraging place. And I, I really love the, the conversations that happen in the lobby uh, or at the coffee shop as people just say to one another, good job, way to go. I'm so thankful for you. Um, we have a staff member named Erin. You guys know she does our early childhood stuff. And Erin uh, appreciates affirmation. And, um, you know, over the years she said, hey, appreciate feedback, you know, from you guys. And, and that's no problem, you know. And so we give that feedback from time to time. But um, she said it in a different way, I don't know, about a month ago. And, and so I just decided I really need to take seriously this, like, this, this, you know, that she needs, you know, to hear from us. And so every time I see Aaron now, you'll see me, I, like, give her high fives everywhere we go. It's like, hey, Aaron, what's up? Um, and one day I gave her a high five through a phone message. And it was on a Saturday. And she had a really rough Friday. Somebody from church had said some pretty brutal things. And, um, and uh, she was pretty discouraged. I did not know that. And uh, I called her on Saturday morning. I was just driving. I was like, hey, just want to give you like kind of a, like a, I don't know, audio high-five. She's like, okay. You know, she wasn't even on the phone. She's like, I hung up. It was just a voicemail. She called me later. So you have no idea what that meant to me because um, of the things that happened yesterday. And I just really needed that encouragement. And here's what I'm just telling you guys. Through what is happening here, I think people are receiving encouragement all over the place. I think people are being encouraged and lifted up, whether it be something said from the stage or something said in a hallway. Everybody from time to time has a rough time. Everybody should have a reputation, though, of that guy is an encourager. That lady's an encourager. Everybody in the world, while everybody else is tearing people down in this sort of passive-aggressive social media kind of way, I think it's great for us just to say, hey, I just want to bless you. I just want to encourage you. I just want to say I'm I'm on your team. I'm glad you're here, and in your home we should be doing that. We should rather be criticizing one another. We should be lifting each other up rather than criticizing our spouse or our kids or looking for ways to tear down. We should be encouraging each other. And I think a man I, that one guy said a pat on the back goes a whole lot further than a kick in the pants, and I think that's probably true. But listen, I, I'm just telling you guys, encouragement. People are hungry to be in the presence of another human being who actually will look at them, listen to them, pay attention to them, hear their heart, listen to their story, and say, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, you'll never know how many lives you're impacting by just your words or your encouragement. And one of the reasons I'm just really glad Access Church is here is because if anything else, we we just need one more place in the world that encourages people. John Orberg tells about taking his kids to the donut shop for breakfast one day. And he said, we're at this place. And there was a father whose daughter was there. She's about three or four years old. And she was munching and crumbling donuts. And he was reading the newspaper. And she kept trying to get his attention. And she would put her head around on one side of the newspaper and then the other side. And then throw some donut crumbs up every once in a while and knock down the paper and just anything she could do to get his attention. And since nothing else was working, she finally went underneath the paper, came up and under it. Her dad was right there, who had successfully ignored every other attempt, finally looked at her and said, I bought you donuts. What else do you want from me? And they started reading his paper again. Well, we know what she wanted. What she wanted was for her dad to put down the paper, look into the eyes of his little girl, and let her know in that moment that she mattered more to him than anything else. Now, John Ortberg says, I don't know them. Maybe they have a wonderful relationship. Maybe there were a lot of those newspaper moments in their life. On the other hand, he said, I don't know. But there are people who are dying to have another human being put down the newspaper or the cell phone, look them in the eye and say, you matter to me and you matter to God. And if for nothing else, I am really glad that Access Church is here as a place where we can gather together or make a phone call during the week or write an email that simply says, we want you to know more than anything else that we are for you. And you matter to God and you matter to us. And so, guys, I'm just telling you, we give because God's given to us. Yeah, we invest and we're blessed. But we give so that we can make a difference in this world and we sacrifice to that end. And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to write out for next year. Here's where we think we're going to go with our sacrifice. And when we do that, I'm just asking every single one of us to say, not only let's look at what's valuable here and give to it, but also to be able to say, are my gifts sacrificial gifts? Are they widow's might kind of gifts? Am I giving out of my wealth or am I giving out of my poverty? Am I giving in a way that actually says, God, I trust you? For what you have given to me. I want to pray for you to that end. God, we just ask today and thank you so much for your love for us. God, we thank you for a place, a church like this that that wants to be an encouraging place, that wants to be an evangelistic place, wants to lead people to Christ, that wants to lead our children and students and young adults into experiences where they come to know faith in a greater way that's real, it's vital. And when they go into the world, God, they don't turn their back on it. Instead, they're, they're more um, enthusiastic about what they know because they know it to be true. So, God, help us to make a difference in this world. And today, I, I want to pray for our students who are here. I want to pray for our our, our Cincinnati Christian students. And God, I want to ask that whatever they decide to do in terms of their ministries, that you would encourage them and help them know that they are in a really vital, important work and that there will be many days of discouragement, and they will get phone calls, and they will get emails, and there will be difficult days, God, because they're leading people, but help them to realize that the call that they've received is the most important call in this life, and God, I just pray that you would bless them in that effort, and you would help them find fruitfulness, and that God, you would help them be an encouragement to other people, and God, help us as a church be an encouragement to whoever chooses to come here, and uh, God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing here in this place. And just pray you continue to help motivate us to be all that we can be for you. And and we just thank you, God. Help us to be an encouragement this week to somebody. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.